So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast with ben hartley where you get the positive energy you need to help you grow your business your relationships and your mindset if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post visit sixfigurephotography.com Welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Hartley. Fun fact, my name is actually Jay. So I'm your podcast host, Jay Hartley. A lot of you know this, and some of you don't, but my name is its literally just the letter J, J. Uh, middle name is Benjamin. And so uh, welcome to the podcast. Um, you guys, you may have noticed this because of Instagram. You'll see on Instagram and on TikTok that my handle is J Ben Hartley. And I want to start today's episode by just thanking you who have DM'd me on Instagram. I've been kind of like calling you guys out and, and inviting you to connect with me on Instagram, to send me DMs, to give me feedback. If you have someone that you would love to hear on this podcast, pull out your phone and then DM me on Instagram at J Ben Hartley. So letter J, J Ben Hartley. Let me know who you'd like to hear. Let me know what you think about the episodes and just maybe engage. Let me know what's going on in your life. And I would love to correspond back. I think what's neat about the podcast is the reach that this has, right? The fact that you're listening right now is blowing my tiny little mind. However, it's a one-way conversation. And so the more that we can move this to a two-way conversation where I get a chance to listen to you, to hear what's going on in your space, in your world, in your life, like it, it, it makes this all so much more real. And I'd love to take the time to do that. So shoot me a DM. Uh, and it doesn't even need to be anything special. Just we, we can just shoot the shit and it'll be great. And so uh, you guys, with that being said, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys in the DMs. Otherwise, listen... The purpose of this podcast is to help you grow your business. That's it. Hard stop, right? And today we got Kerr Tubin with us. And we're going to be talking a little bit more, I guess, high, end, uh, high level, uh, more or less. I think the last few episodes have been incredibly um, hands-on, tactical, practical. Not that this won't be, but we're going we're gonna to make a transition here to talk about concepts that we always wrestle with as creatives, little photographers, but just as creatives in general, these, these concepts of, of authenticity, of originality. Um, you know, I'm in a group, and Kerr, we can talk about this in a minute, um, but I'm in a group uh, on Facebook and this debate occurred about a photographer who maybe was inspired by another photographer's work and produced something very, uh, it could be similar. Some people would say it's similar. Some people would say it's not. And it's like, is that, is that unoriginal? Is that stealing? Is that inauthentic? It's like, what's authentic? What's original? How do we rest with this stuff as we're trying to go out and kind of push our boundaries and, and quite frankly, just learn? It's like we're trying to build our portfolios. We're trying to create style juice. We're trying to understand lighting and all the while make um, work to attract leads. And so this is something that, you know, is there's more and more photographers entering this space. How, like, where do we find room for authenticity and originality as creatives? I hope that this episode breathes life back into your business, that you feel driven, that you feel hope, that you feel um, maybe clarity, uh, from Kerr. And so I want to introduce, introduce you all to Kerr 
Tubin. Uh, she has a background in documentary studies and a passion for fine art to create beautiful photographs, unique love stories. The really cool thing about Kerr is she's a hybrid photographer, so she's going to be shooting on film and on digital. Uh, she is a Florida girl living in Washington, D.C. with her husband, Ben, and their two cats, Tuna and Lobo. <laughs> Lobo, shout out to Lobo. Maybe we can get a real horn effect in there for Lobo. <laughs> you guys, welcome. Kerr, Kerr, how are you doing? I'm great. How's it going with you? Kerr, it's going really well. Thank you so much for being here. By the way, so is, is it is it Lobo? Is that how you pronounced your cat's name? Yeah, you nailed it. It's Wolf in Spanish. So uh, glad that he got the shout out today. <laughs> <laughs> if there's any takeaway, it's that Lobo gets a shout out. Yeah, really. You can stop. Oh, this is now. <laughs> So I'm going to start a little bit technical here because you are a hybrid photographer. You know, you're kind of rare. It's rare that I see a hybrid photographer in the wild. When I say like in the wild, it's like in real life, right? Um, and, and so, yeah, IRL, right? And so rarely do I see a hybrid photographer in real life. So uh, to just unpack what that looks like for people who, who maybe they're um, not as familiar with that term. And uh, maybe we can just start with that. Sure. Yeah. So what hybrid means is I shoot both digital and film photography. A lot of clients at first will think film means I'm like shooting with a video camera, um, but it's not video. It's you have to think about it as almost like the old school type camera that your parents or grandparents had at their weddings. Um, so you shoot it, you develop it in a dark room, and then you print it and or scan it um, back into your computer to get uh, digital images from the film uh, itself. So I started doing that mostly because I learned it in college and used to develop my own film, which was amazing. Um, I can't do that anymore because I don't have a dark room in my home. Uh, it takes a long time and the chemicals are icky. So I, I do outsource that part of my work. Um, but I came back to it because that's where I started. And I found that I was missing almost like a creative aspect to my work. I, I got not bored at weddings. That's like the wrong thing to say. It's okay to say you get bored at weddings. I think a lot of us get bored at weddings. That's, that's, it's okay. If you've been doing it for years, you want to, you want to mix it up, spice it up um, almost. So yeah. So I started um, infusing that into my work and it's kind of taken off and a, a lot of couples really value it. A lot of wedding publications look for it. Um, it's like a high end thing that sets me apart, I think, from other photographers. Um, and it's also a passion. So obviously, it's not just about the cash monies. Um, so yeah, that's that's what a hybrid photographer is. That's what I do. That's awesome. What's your ratio? You know, if you go out on a, on a session, uh, you know, your average session, ratio between like film and then digital? So it actually totally depends on the session itself and the light. So film is a super light hungry medium. Um, and I like to shoot natural light with film. I can shoot artificial light, but Personally, I like when there's like high highlights, so like high noon. Um, so if I'm shooting an engagement session, I might shoot about like four rolls, which uh, each roll is about 16 images. So you obviously can do the math. Um, but on a you, day, you know what, though, you would think, um, but I'm still over here struggling. So sure. yeah, okay. So uh, maybe 100 images like tops on an engagement session of film. Um, but if they want to do like a darker session or a nighttime session or something like that, I might not shoot a ton or maybe like one or two rolls. Um, and then on a wedding day, again, it depends if we're tight on time or if it's pouring rain or I have a lot of couples in DC that get married indoors during winter at night after sunset. So in that case, I, I will shoot less film. I will shoot no film, but it, it's kind of on a case by case basis. Um, but average, probably like ten to twenty rolls of film on a wedding day, uh, because I shoot hybrid. If I'm shooting all film, obviously that's higher. Um, but that that depends. Yeah. What is so? I what is that cost? Like when you say ten to twenty rolls, that well, there's a big difference there. So let's just go with ten rolls. Developing ten rolls of film, purchasing the film, and then and then developing it. What does it cost to actually pull that off? I imagine you're shooting well, 120 film. Yep, 120 millimeters. So so glad you asked. When people tech, like ask me this question, I technically say it's about three dollars an image. <laughs> so. Yeah. From buying the film and then mailing it and then the cost of developing that, what one roll is about 18 to 20 bucks, right? Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So it, it just, and it depends on what film lab you use, all that fun stuff. So yeah, uh, it's expensive, <laughs> but I think it's worth it. And that's why I'm a little bit more discerning 
as to when I'm shooting film and uh, what the session looks like and, and so on and so forth. Okay, cool. So let's dive in to this conversation around originality and authenticity. I want to get straight to the meat of the action. How, how did this come about for you? Because I think this is something that's like a looming conversation in almost every creative's mind. And maybe conversation was too generous. It's usually like a looming anxiety in every creative's mind, this conversation around originality and authenticity. And, and maybe we can even get more clear on, on what that looks like. And perhaps we'll do that as I ask the question of like how it came to be for you. Um, and so let's just start with that. Sure. I mean, first of all, I wanted to say, I love that you said that this is more like a high level conversation. Cause I know some people that are diving into this podcast really want those practical tips. Like, so how do I make six figures or how do I market to the higher end clientele? Um, so this problem, maybe you don't have yet if you're newer, um, because you're just trying to create, 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 to kind of find your own way and find your own voice. Um, but eventually this will come to you. If you find any kind of success in this big business, you want to bookmark this, come back to it and really think on it critically because it will happen to you if you've been in business for longer than two years, I think, or if you've started to see some success early on in your business. So I'm glad that you mentioned that this is kind of like a higher level concept. Um, the way that I came to this topic uh, is a bunch of different ways, right? Uh, so the first the first time this happens to you, you're probably in middle school, which is kind of silly. Like maybe you wear a cool t-shirt or you have a cool catchphrase, whatever it is. Uh, and then your best friend or an acquaintance or your arch nemesis will come to school with the same t-shirt or the same hairstyle. Assholes. Um, <laughs> yeah, we talked about t-shirts earlier. <laughs> I guess I don't know if anyone came to school with that shirt, but um so yeah, and then you probably came home really upset or feeling icky about it. And one of your parents or your sibling had said, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, um, which in some sense is true. If you can be the bigger person and you can really frame it in this way and just kind of put your blinders on and ignore it, that's great. Um, but when it comes to our businesses and where we're making money, it feels a little bit more personal than copying a hairstyle or like a favorite color. Um, so after a few years in business, I started to see a bunch of people, um, sliding into my DMs, LOL, <laughs> asking like, Hey, where was this picture taken? Or, Hey, like what hairstyles did you use? Or what time of day was this? And I had no problem just divulging my locations in DC or different models that I used or because I'd like to think that I'm super giving, um, even started doing blog posts about like time of day that you should shoot. Not that that's original content, but in my mind, certain, certain aspects of things I put a lot of work into and I felt like, Oh, I should share and give this back because I've learned and it'll be so helpful. And I started to notice, um, a lot of photographers or creatives in our area doing almost the exact same thing that I was doing, mm -hmm. um, which made me feel like my work was almost cheapened, which is a silly thing to think. And now hindsight is always 2020. Um, but it's just started seeming like the market was, I was saturating the market with all of my advice. Almost. Um, and I started getting almost scared to post things online or post things on my social media in fear that 20 other photographers would do the same shoot or use the same venue or, um, you know, do the exact same pose in the exact same place. Uh, because that has happened <laughs> to me before, as I'm sure it will happen to you if it has not already. Um, and like you said earlier, there's inspo photos. This is a big thing of people wanting to do their own shoots. And what they'll do is they'll take images off of Pinterest, not knowing who took those images. And then they will use it to promote a style shoot that they're putting on and sell tickets to that shoot. Or they'll use it to approach planners or they'll use it to launch their mini sessions when they'll say, oh, these are inspo photos. Um, so I think it's important to unpack the dangers in doing that. Um, obviously there's like legal implications of a bunch of different things, uh, regarding this, but I'm not a lawyer. So I'm just coming at this with like more of a creative, uh, aspect and thinking critically about when you should, um, avoid promotional images using images that are not yours. Um, and I also think it's important to unpack why people do this, right? So I was also new in the industry once and I've used inspo photos, not necessarily to promote, um, something that I was launching, but maybe in a shoot as, you know, trying to help the planner see what my vision was, even though I haven't enacted my vision yet. So 
a lot of the people, they're not doing this out of a place of malice and they're not trying to come for you, as they say. Um, they just want to be successful. So it does come back to imitation as the sincerest form of flattery. They, Their why is they're not seeing it as harmful. They're more so seeing it as they want to emulate your success or your vision. Um, so that's kind of how I, I came to this topic. I don't Have you struggled with the same type of... Um, Sure. Well, yeah. And it's a, well, it's a kind of a, an everyday conversation that I have with myself. And so far, I feel like what we're talking about in a lot of ways is an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset. To me, I don't even think of these things actually as originality or authenticity or anything. I, cause I'm choosing to interact with these ideas in regards to, uh, what I'm actually in control of. Right. So I can't, I'm not in control of whether they're being original or authentic or, or, or that. And not, not to say that's where we're going with this. Sure. I can only choose to interact with what other people do based off of how I respond to it. And so I can either respond to it with abundance or with scarcity. And I mean, listen, <laughs> it's like I've been giving away everything that I've been doing on this podcast for the last four <laughs> years, you know, and like I, the amount of people who, uh, you know, have, websites that look exactly like mine copy that's ripped right off my page uh pricing that is word for word exactly what i'm doing maybe some there's probably a couple zeros left off (laughs) you know what i mean it's like so um yeah and then certainly other educators right like that's another thing so as i've been doing certain things like they'll maybe there's another educator who will pop up and use the same name or or a slight variation of it or they release the same course content that maybe I've done after they went through my course content. Do you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, it's something that, uh, all the time, you know, even more specifically, I think the most, I don't know if dramatic's the right word, but the, the clearest example of this that I can give is, um, a couple times a year, I host this uh, workshop in my house and it's called Abundance. It's the Abundance Workshop, right? Mm-hmm. And I have 20 photographers come in from all around the country and they spend three and a half days with me. And it is a, a workshop completely dedicated to building a sustainable, profitable business, 100% business focused, right? Just like, yeah. you know, how do you book 10K clients? How do, you, how do you book 70 of those a year? Like what on earth is going on when the average price point in the city is like 3K? Mm-hmm. And so... There's almost always every workshop I do this. There's almost always that one local photographer that's literally like right next door, and they're <laughs> and they're incredibly talented, and um, they apply to come. And I have this little hiccup in me, this little like I'm going to call it a glitch. Sure. This little glitch kind of pops in my brain that says, "No, this <laughs> is where I draw the line. I I I've, I I I can't." literally spoon feed to my direct client, everything that I'm doing. And then I have to fight against it to, yeah. to actually ask myself, but is, so there is a line suddenly now, Ben, this is me talking to myself. So now suddenly you're going to draw the damn line with this person, this other human being that's like, like, so you believe that there's not enough leads. There's not enough couples in Ohio for the two of you. You believe that if they win, that you'll lose. Is that what you believe, Ben? And then I have to like wrestle with this and be like, God, no, no, that's not what I'm about. And, uh, and then I almost have to, yeah, I, I've got to, I wrestle with it and they come out every year and I'm, and I'm glad that they do. And so, yeah, I relate to it. I probably more so with the coaching and the business side of things, less so with the, with the creative element. Sure. And I mean, here's the thing too, if you sell it, right, like you're selling this course, you can't expect it to go untouched. You just... If you are selling this and telling people what to do, they're going to do it. <laughs> they're going to use it and they're going to emulate it. And that's kind of an unavoidable problem because a lot of photographers are becoming educators and that they're giving them tools to basically, you're not building an army of clones, but you're giving them the tools to go out and be successful. And in your mind or in every educator's mind, you're thinking that they're going to make that their own and not everybody has that in them. They, they don't see, oh, you do. And then I'll 
I'll take that and I'll, you know, change it or I'll make it my own in my own unique way. They'll say, oh, I'm supposed to do this. This is what I'm going to do exactly as this person did it. But I think the bottom line is, you know, there's only one you. There's only one and there's only one, you know, so even though there might be a smaller market pool in Ohio or there's a smaller market pool in whoever's listening to this in Kansas, like they, there are still people that are drawn to you for your Eunice. <laughs> I know that's like, I got a lot, got a lot of Eunice. Uh, a lot of Eunice in you. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of how. I think about that problem. Uh, and I'm really, yeah, and it reminds me there's a, on this topic real quick, there's this, there's this, uh, I don't know. And this was really helpful for me yeah, at one point and, and probably daily if I actually were to, were to kind of meditate on it. Um, you know, it's like you look, I think the best example I heard was like, you, you go down the grocery aisle, go down the bread aisle and just take a look around. It's like how many different brands of the same damn bread are there? More or less same bread, like air quotes. It's all, it's all bread, but it's like how many, various, how many things it's like. So even if the bread's the same, like uh, the brands may be different. It's like, so maybe if the, if maybe the content, the message might be the same, right? But the person who is delivering the message is different. I think I heard about this in regards to, um, yeah, yeah, I guess like a, 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 a oh, I, just use the analogy, a message, like a message being given. So maybe that's the exact same verbiage, but it's the delivery, it's the, it's the, it's the person behind that, that it can't ever be replaced. And here's the and, thing, do you buy the same brand of bread every time you go? Yes, I do buy the same Yep. Of course you do. So it doesn't matter that there's releasing a new brand of bread every week. You're still going to buy the one that you want, the one that you're drawn to, the one that speaks to you, the one that your family may have bought or the ones that your kids like the best. Like there's plenty of reasons you go with a specific brand over another. And we kind of just all need to think of ourselves like bread. <laughs> <laughs> like truly though. Well, if you, Hey, so uh, Kerr, so if you were bread, you know, like what kind of bread would you be? Oh man, you know well, that's the best question, question I've ever asked. Kind of like sweet Hawaiian rolls. That's me, man. Oh, a Hawaiian roll. Oh, that is so good. For sure, like they're fun, they're unexpected. You can pretty much eat anything on them. Yeah, <laughs> and you just can't stop like consuming. Like you, you, you know, it's like you can't stop it. Like, oh, yeah. like, one's not enough. Yeah. Just need more. Okay, cool. I like that. What I'm saying with the bread analogy uh, is it's impossible to attain originality. Like it's all been done before. Photography has been around since like 1827. So in the 200 years that it has existed, the image that you have in your brain or the shoot you want to do is pretty much, it's, it's been covered. Like it's been done. So if you're worried about originality, I just, I think you shouldn't be because it's almost impossible to truly get there. Um, in my opinion, I don't know. Can you unpack that? Can we talk a little bit more about that? The impossibility of originality. So unless you're working in tech, it's <laughs> unless you're like Elon Musk or you're, or you're Tesla, like you're, you're not reinventing the wheel here with photography. Like, yes, new toys will come out. Like the drone didn't exist a few years ago, but aerial photography certainly did. So I think we need to stop obsessing about originality and think more about authenticity. Um, a really good example of this is like Picasso. When he went to go see the cave paintings at Lascaux in France, he said, we've learned nothing in 12,000 years. So it's saying like art, the things that have founded art, the things that have founded medicine, I mean, medicine obviously changes, but some things have already been discovered and there's no way to... I don't know, come to a concept of photography that is completely unique. I guarantee if you are thinking about a very specific image that you want to create, someone in Paris or Rome or South Africa has literally done the exact same image with the same plant that you're thinking of using. So um, it just, to me, it's, it's almost a silly obsession to focus on being original, but you can be originally you and um, super authentic at a place from your heart. Um, so it's not to say you should just give it up and throw your hands in the air and say, well, if I can't ever be original or I can't ever be creative, there's no use in creating. That's definitely not what I'm trying to say. Um, but I think the obsession over being original is, is silly. What are your thoughts? Well, it's, so I've got a couple of thoughts. One is the, the main thought that's currently coming to mind is the conversation around originality versus iteration. And it's like, uh, 
I believe in iteration. I believe in taking an existing concept and then creating a, an original iteration of it. And I think a really good example of this exists on TikTok, right? Are you on TikTok? I should be, but I am not. Go on. <laughs> so if y'all want to follow me on TikTok, J Ben Hartley, same same handle as Instagram, by the way. So J Ben Hartley at Insta, on, on TikTok also. So give me a little follow there. But but TikTok is is actually there's a really amazing uh, uh, interaction with originality, or or, or rather um, the iterations that produce originality. And so like maybe somebody will take of this maybe a trend or a challenge or or a you know whatever is a song and that song maybe will go viral but then someone will take that challenge or song or or whatever it is and then they'll do a little iteration they'll maybe add something different they'll like they'll end it with a different little sound clip or they'll inject a sound clip in the middle of it or something will happen. Right. And, and that one little iteration will in a lot of ways make it completely different. And then maybe that will take off and then new iterations will build upon that one. Does that make sense? And, and so it's, it's, it really is actually in that sense, I think it does become original um, through the process of iteration. And I think that when we look uh, at, let's say photography as a whole, maybe we're not able to have any pure original thought, but it's an iteration uh, that becomes our own kind of thought, right? 100%. I mean, think of all the times Romeo and Juliet was filmed or redone or recovered or anything. Like even like the play, like Othello is a whole thing. Like if you look at all the times Shakespeare has been redone in a modern or different or unique way, it doesn't make those projects any less cool. Like I love the Boslerman version of Romeo plus Juliet. And it's just, it's cool because you can put your own flair on it. You can add different music, make it contemporary, make it modern, whatever you want. So love the idea of iteration. I mean, that's where like covers come from, right? Or even like the whole genre of EDM. Well, not the whole genre, but a lot of samples, like you make a completely different song using like Florence and the Machine. So love that concept. You know, and this does beg the question of like, what is the difference? You know, is there a line between, um, that can get crossed between like stealing and originality. And, and I think that within the fine art space, this line gets tested a lot. You know, you I, I, I'll have to go back and do some research, but there's two um, artists that come to mind. The first, um, Warhol comes to mind in regards to, like the Campbell soup can. I believe that was Warhol, right? Uh, is, that, is that Warhol? Oh, yeah. I'm probably, it is? <laughs> you got it. Okay, cool. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it was. You're right. So it's like he just painted like the like uh, the Campbell soup. It's like the Campbell soup can. There's nothing more or less maybe original, but maybe there is. Or, or I think re- recently too, there's um, another artist who is taking other people's photographs and then using them as like he was uploading them to Instagram and then making these big prints of like someone else's photograph and his Instagram feed with his comments engaging with it and then selling them for like millions of dollars. Right. And like, well, what's that? <laughs> you know, like there's lawsuits around these things and, and conversations to be had. And I don't know that line. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on it. I mean, legally, I don't know the line, <laughs> um, but if you think about it, there's impersonators that there's a famous Beyonce impersonator named Riley Knox and makes their entire living on impersonating a celebrity. It's wild. It's that person's likeness, like doing the same dances, wearing the same costumes. And it's crazy, but it's almost thinking about like, why is this important? If it's making them happy and they're not crossing a legal line, and they find creativity and joy from it. I think that's more of the question we need to focus on versus like, what is the line? Um, Because I think the line, that icky feeling that I was talking about earlier, like in middle school, it's so um, subjective for people. So my line is completely different than other people's lines. Um, As a photographer, I'm sure my line is different than, you know, a painter or a musician. Um, Some people refuse to have their songs covered by Glee, like when the show Glee was popular, just because they weren't comfortable with that line. So trying to define the line in general is impossible, but trying to define your own life or own line um, in your own life and living with that is kind of, I think, the important question to unpack for like everyone listening. Yeah. And this is where, if I could weigh in, if the the decision that I've come to based on the results that I've received in my life is continually a conversation around offense over defense. That 
to the any ounce of energy that I spend trying to defend something that I believe is is mine that's my right that's my territory that's my thing and I'm trying to defend it um is energy taken away from something that will actually move the needle which is the offense of what I'm up to mm-hmm. and and I I move this way in regards to my marriage uh towards I move this way towards Leslie it's like I'm in continual uh, driving towards offense for my marriage offense for fighting for for Leslie and what we have rather than defense and trying to protect uh, you know something that if that maybe I'm getting a little too um off on that conversation um but it's the same thing that I believe in regards to even my photography studio I mean I've got um photographers you know who are um you know they're they're like part of my team and I intentionally and this is an intentional decision an intentional business decision did not have them sign uh a no compete Mm-hmm. And because I had to ask myself the question, it's like, am I going to be offense or defense? Not only that, but like, do I actually want the best for this kid? Like, do I love this person who's on my team and want them to be able to provide a living for their family? And do I believe that if they go and start a business in my city, that I'll be okay? And again, it's like abundance over scarcity. I have to believe that like there's enough people. And that when they win, it doesn't mean that I lose. Not only that, but like, I love them. And if they were to leave my team or my company, I'm going to choose to believe the best in the person and believe that that would be a course of action that maybe was for the best for, for their family and what they needed. Anyhow, so this is, this is the kind of like my direction in life. This is how I have to ask that question, like, where's the line for me? And I'm probably rather radical, I, I would suggest in regards to this. You know, I think that potentially it's a turnoff for many listeners. Like, I don't know if that's, that's maybe that's just naive, maybe that's dumb, but I feel like I'd rather live my life um, with that belief in base in place rather than constantly looking over my shoulder. All right, podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick pause here in order to give a thank you to the supporters of the SFP podcast, because if you're listening, it likely means that you have a small business or you know someone who does. And if this is you, you are wearing far too many hats. And some of these hats are amazing, right? Like being a photographer, but some like filing taxes, running payroll, not so great. This is where Gusto comes in. This is the solution, you guys. Gusto, G-U-S-T-O, Gusto. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, HR actually easy for small businesses. I used to be on like an old school payroll processor from like 1982 and it was terrible. Gusto now has fast, simple payroll processing. Uh, This is the really cool thing. They automatically pay and file your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Um, They make like like W-2s, sending out 1099s, uh, incredibly easy to run. You guys, those old school clunky payroll providers, the one that I was on that I just left, uh, they just weren't built for the way that the small modern business uh, is meant to work, but Gusto is. You guys, no joke. I got really excited because I switched to Gusto before they contacted me uh, to come on as an advertiser. I'm like, this just makes sense. I actually use this thing. Um, The really cool thing too is everything is online, like the ability to sign, store, and organize all the employee documents. It's all online. It's all in one place. You guys, let Gusto wear one of your many hats. Uh, It gets better because for you podcast listeners, you get the first three months free when you run your first payroll. Try this demo out for yourself at gusto.com forward slash photo. That's gusto.com, G-U-S-T-O forward slash photo. Do you remember when you started your photography business, like it was no small feat. It took late nights. It took early mornings. It took the occasional all-nighter. Bottom line, you've been insanely busy ever since. So why not make things a little bit easier? Uh, Our friends at FreshBooks, they have the solution. So FreshBooks 
is invoicing and accounting software, and it is designed specifically for small business owners, not like massive shops, small business owners. It is simple, it's intuitive, and it keeps you way more organized. Uh, well, then... Uh, for me, it's it's like the bottom drawer of like my IKEA furniture. But maybe you're like the shoebox kind of person with the crumbled receipts. Either way, with FreshBooks, you create and send professional-looking invoices in like 30 seconds tops, and then you get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. File expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time, which is my biggest downfall: is that organization for tax time. And here's the best part: with FreshBooks, it grows alongside your business. So you'll always have the tools you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. So join the 24 million people who have used FreshBooks. There's a 30-day free trial. There's no catch. There's no credit card required. 30 days free. Go to freshbooks.com forward slash photography. Freshbooks.com forward slash photography and enter six figure photography. And how did you hear about us? That's the little section there. How did you hear about us? Six figure photography. You guys, at this point, let's hop back to the show. 100%. I think what you're talking about in the teacher realm, anyways, or every realm, is called locus of, locus of control. Excuse me. So it's what you say. You're you saying locus or focus? Of control. L O K. Love it. Tell me more about that. <laughs> Locus of control. Uh, so it's what you control. L-O-C-U-S. Yeah. So you can't control what Johnny or Sue or Patty is doing with their photography business next door. You can only, like you said, play offense, right? Um, or defense or play your own strategy. <laughs> so don't worry about what other people are doing. Focus on what you have control over, what you can focus on, what you can change about your business to set you apart. Basically having blinders on is, is yeah. what you know. Yeah. So as we're continuing this conversation, I want to pivot towards authenticity. We've been talking a lot about uh, maybe high-level conversations around originality and what that looks like, where the line is. So now enter the scene authenticity. What does it look like to focus our energy uh, on authenticity? Lovely. Great question. Um, So it's different, obviously, than originality, putting in air quotes, maybe it's semantics to a lot of other people. But what I mean by being authentic is being true to what you are interested in and what you are called to do and what you're drawn to. So um, a lot of people get their inspiration from source images off social media, um, or maybe like something else like a magazine. But what I would suggest is for people to just really think about what they're drawn to, almost like keep a inspiration journal of things like when you're walking down the street, you see a tree that you love, or when your kids do something goofy that really like sparks joy in you, like write that down. Or if you're, you know, window shopping, or if you're talking to a friend or a grandparent, or you're watching music videos, whatever it is that is different from the medium that you are involved in, I would suggest kind of diving into that and really exploring your your intuition and your creativity because like we kind of talked about earlier there's really only one you. So for me, I'm, you know, a 30-year-old white girl that loves Paris and cats and photography. There are a million of me. <laughs> like I I know that there are you wide open with a 50, one two. <laughs> yeah, you know it. Um exactly. so I mean fired. I, I am uniquely cur, but I realize that like I am also a trope almost like a lot of my girlfriends do the same stuff as me. And that's because they're honestly interested in it. Like your vibe kind of attracts your, your partners and your, your, your friend group. Um, so I'm aware that like you can have similarities with people, but no one has had my experience of my childhood. No one else is married to Ben. Like no one else. I mean, Justin Bieber actually does have a cat named Tuna, which he named after <laughs> I named my cat, um, but no one else has my cats. Like there, it's just, you have to, although you're similar to other people, you have to focus on what you're drawn to and that will come through in your art and your life. Um, and then you need to just follow that passionately. And that's kind of how you find your authenticity. Does that make sense to you? 
It does. And yet it's also so intangible. You know, it's like, so that concept of like finding your authenticity, it's like, I, I hear it. And yet I'm also looking maybe for something a little bit more solid, you know? And so I wonder if we could stay on that for a little bit. I hate when you turn into a podcast and it's like, just talking about generic stuff, like no yeah. actual things. And we're, and we're kind of, we're, we're a little bit in the clouds enough as it is. And so I'd like to take that and now let's maybe ground this conversation sure. around authenticity yeah. and, and the process of discovery of like how to find your authenticity. Authentic steps. So step one is knowing your purpose. So it is important to be authentic because that's what's going to set you apart from other people. That's what's going to make you the loudest voice and get you the most clients, get you the more unique clients, get you the higher paid weddings because people want different. They don't want the same wedding or the same family shoot or the same painting over and over and over again. So it is important to find your Eunice and latch onto it and blast it out there because it will set you apart. So the things that you can do, the first thing is just get off social media. A lot of people will use this as a crutch and say, oh, I need it to run my business. Well, that might be true, but you can post once and then just don't scroll. I have a no scrolling rule. I'm not allowed to use my finger and go up and down through social media because I'll see something a friend, a sister, a colleague is doing and say, oh, that's a great idea. And then I might draw inspiration from that, or I might even feel a little bit of guilt of that and say like, oh, well, why did they do this really cool thing? I should be doing cool things. So just turn it off. Don't do any kind of Pinterest that is bad for your heart. Don't get, don't get inspiration from your own industry. So step two would be try things for fun and maybe get into a different medium. Maybe if you're a photographer, start finger painting. If you're a painter, maybe start doing yoga or something that's actually different that you can find inspiration from um, and find things that like really draw you in. So for me, I love uh, museums. I have like a back, background in art and history. Um, yeah, same. So like I'll go and see like, different paintings in modern art museums. And they'll say, Oh, that's really cool how they did that. I would have never thought that, or I'll see like a color palette somewhere and say, that would be a really cool thing for like a boudoir session that I'm doing. Um, Even as you, as you open that conversation up, it's like trying something else um, in a past life about, I guess it was about 10 years ago. I used to be a, uh, like a professional longboarder. Right. And so, you know, right. I've done a few things. <laughs> So I used to go out to, I would, I would skate. It was longboarding, like a skateboard longboarding, not on the ocean. But, um, and so I'd skate and I make videos and, 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 uh, I rode for a couple companies and, and they'd fly me out and I'd, you know, I'd either, I'd also film videos for them. So I'd be filming videos and then I'd be skating in some filming in others. I digress. But, uh, one of the requirements for being on their team was that we not be solely a longboarder. There was a requirement that our time could not be filled with just longboarding, that we had to, that we had to actively pursue something else and, uh, become passionate about another thing. And I loved that. It was, it was this push again, it was like an abundance mindset. There wasn't a fear that, you know, we would, you know, go and, and to be honest, I went off somewhere else. Eventually it's like, like they set me free more or less. Right. I, um, the thing that I was pursuing was photography and, and, and now here I am, you know, but it was that role of, of, uh, and I forget, I, I probably have an email that I could go back through and, and, and read back up on like, what was the call to action for us? But it was like, you cannot, like, you cannot be the best skater if you're consumed solely with skating. Like there's another part of you. Skateboarding is a creative component and you're going to burn out even with that. And so you need to exercise that muscle. You need to be involved in other things because again, skating is a creative, it's a creative sport. And, um, I just thought it was a really cool thing. I, I've never forgotten that. I love that so much. So in fact, that like when I go to networking parties or events, when I'm talking to people in the industry, one of the first things I ask, and one of the only things I'm interested in is like, what do you do outside of the industry? Like, what are your hobbies? What are you, if you won the lottery, like, what would you do? Uh, would you, you know, fix cars? Would you just have a bunch of kids? Would you foster dogs? Like, what is it that like really, truly drives you? Cause I find like the hobbies that you do, that don't make money are so important. Um, and I mean, I, it's hard for us, especially as creatives, like this was our hobby that we then turned into a business. But I do think that there's a danger in that, that we need to be aware of. Like, 
it's hard for me to shoot for fun a lot of the times because, you know, I've attached a monetary value to it. So my husband's a really good example of this is he loves video games. Like homeboy loves his video games. <laughs> we have an arcade in our house and um, I'm always trying to get him to like become a streamer or like develop music for video games. And he's an engineer. I'm like, why don't you just build a dang video game? And he's like, you know what, Per, you can sometimes just do things for fun. Like you can just have hobbies and really like enjoy things without attaching money to them, which is such a good reminder. Um, so I love that your longboarding brought you to that realization too. That's cool. Tell us more. Okay. What, what else can we do with authenticity? Great. So um, here's like a little fun challenge. Uh, I want you to think about, well, you, you specifically Ben, but all of your listeners, um, what you did as a kid, like truly a kid before you had a job or like really focused too much on school. Like, did you play dress up? Did you like, like to build Legos? Did you put on performances for your family at Thanksgiving? Did you want to try to learn an instrument, but completely fail? Like, what was it that when you had all the time in the world and not a care about money in the world, like what, what were you drawn to? And that's like your creative inner child. Um, I wanted to be a tap dancer. No joke. Uh, full, full send. I would practice tap dancing and I never got a chance to. Do you still dance at all? Uh, I feel like I'm going to be looking for a tap dance school now or something. You have to. Oh my gosh. So my husband and I, we took swing dance lessons before our wedding um, just for fun. Like we didn't yeah. use it at our wedding. We did the clutch and sway. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't. Oh, oh, the clutch and sway. Yeah. That sounded like a gangster rap song. Um, like do that clutch and sway. <laughs> but now I get uh, what you're actually talking about. Swing dance. I was like, no, dude, like we can't spring this on me mid wedding. Um, but it was one of the best activities we've done as a couple. Like, we found out that I have no rhythm and Ben danced with all these little old ladies during our swing dance lessons. Um, and it brought like so much creativity and fun. And like, we looked at YouTube videos and we got into like dance shows and stuff. And like, moving your body in a creative way is such a cool outlet that um, you should do it. Like, pick back up them tap shoes, Ben. I just discovered, um, uh, I, you know, and I think this is going to parallel perfectly with TikTok, um, <laughs> is, is potentially some some dance videos is, is maybe what I need to queue up on TikTok next. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> do it. Do it. One of my favorite she's super into salsa and she'll do like salsa break Wednesdays and just like record herself dancing on Instagram. And it, it like literally makes me so happy to watch them. Yeah. Okay. So where does creativity fit into the, into the equation of authenticity? Um, so if you're listening to your creative inner child, you're essentially going to be authentic because no one is in your weird brain. Like you are in your own weird brain. Um, <laughs> like truly it just sounds super weird, but anytime I have an idea, like a start of an idea from something that I've been like thinking on or stumbled upon or talked to colleagues about, I'll always like tell Ben first. And I, I start with, this is going to sound crazy, but what do you think of X? Um, so I think when you start your sentences like that, or you're, you're kind of daring to push yourself into this like creative space, it's almost a feeling that you get like, wow, that's like authentically me. Like I'm so drawn to this. I'm so amped. Um, and even if you think it's going to fail, like that's totally cool. I've done projects that are awful. <laughs> like, I'm trying to learn to cook and I am super failing at it. Like I am the world's worst cook, but I found it to be like super creative and inspiring. And it's almost brought me to the idea of like, maybe I'll photograph chefs and like learn to cook that way or do a fun trade. And then like do a, like collaborate on a book release with a chef. Like you have no idea what these weird creative things are going to bring you to within the mediums that you're already attracted to. Yeah. I love this. Kurt, I want to, I want to, um, conclude our conversation with, um, maybe an invitation for photographers. You know, I know that uh, you and I, we spoke briefly about, um, a book that is kind of, opened up uh, a lot of these thoughts. Um, it was one of my favorite books of 2018. Um, and I think it's something that um, I'd love to hear you share your experience um, with this book. And I'd love to, to, to get it out in more people's hands. I'd love for people to, to pick it up and check it out on... Um, I, well, I think there's a book to read. You're welcome to do audio book all you want. Um, but to get a hard copy of it, is, is there something... Um, I don't know if magical is the right word. It seems rather relatively appropriate about uh, holding something <laughs> that's physical, like words. Um, but do you want to tell people about the book that I'm 
I'm, I'm thinking of. Can you read my mind? Oh yeah, Ben, it's big magic. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. And I'm also like a physical book person too. I like annotate, and then I write all my action steps in the back cover, and then I give it to a friend who I think could really use it. So. Mm-hmm. Down with audiobooks, down with Kindles. Um, no, no hate, but that's just personally for me. No so hate, magic. but serious um, hate. Big Magic is by Elizabeth Gilbert. She is the author of Eat, Pray, Love, which is a book I actually have never read. Um, but this is her second. Well, I would. It's not even her second book. It's the book that came to me after I realized that she was the author of Eat, Pray, Love. Um, and that obviously was a massive, massive success. They made a movie on it. And this was a book that came after that. And so she, in this book, really struggled with the success and as a creative, like what to do next or how to find this like intrinsic creativity, like how to lead a creative life, especially when you've reached such a peak. Um, and the way that she unpacks like creativity and originality and authenticity is awesome and very like humbling and I found myself like highlighting like crazy and and wanting to buy copies for um like all all my friends that could use it so and she grounds it you know like she grounds this conversation of like like, she almost like manifests like a, a a spiritual manifestation of creativity it's like what is what is creativity embodied what is authenticity embodied like she and she grounds these concepts in a way that as a reader myself like I it became real. It wasn't in the clouds. I mean, I think large in part, you know, we're still in the clouds in our conversation around this right now, Kerr. And what I loved about Big Magic was it is it made it all rather tangible. It really made it be something that I could understand that 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 gave me direction. Um, and so I I agree. Really, really great book. I will make sure to get a link uh, in the podcast show notes for Big Magic uh, so that way everyone can get it. And and listen, it's going to be like a ten dollar book. Don't think twice about it. Just get the damn book. All right. It's like the amount of time that you will invest in reading it, it'll it'll pay back dividends. Um, a hundred percent. That's the homework. Get the book, read it, devour it, love it, annotate it, send it to friends. I mean, I feel like we're just doing her a favor by pitching this book. We did nothing for this. We this, yeah, yeah. We do not know Elizabeth Gilbert, but it would be pretty cool if we did. (laughs) Not her. This is. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's like we're just sponsoring her unofficially. So I'm the unofficial sponsor. Um, Kurt, thank you again uh, for, for popping on here, for having this conversation with me. This is something that um, it's 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 always churning up here. Like the, the wheels are always going around this. And I imagine for many creatives, they are as well. And so I just want to thank you for leading this. Um, where can people find you online, Kurt? Oh, wow. Um, everywhere and anywhere. So my website is kerr2ben.com. It is spelled Kerr, the number two, and then Ben. Um, and then my Instagram is also K-I-R, no, number two, and B-E-N, at Kerr2Ben. Um, and then same with like Pinterest, Instagram, all the things. Not TikTok yet, but... <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon. Yeah, Coming soon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just Kurt to Ben. And if you've got any questions, you know, feel free to reach out. Hit me up. It's awesome. Awesome. Thank you again, Kurt. I really appreciate you. Really grateful for you. Of course. Yeah, this was great. Podcast listeners, thank you for um, for joining us on this conversation around originality, authenticity. If this is something that that you wrestle with, this is something that you've discovered conflict with, maybe with another creative, another photographer, maybe internally, maybe you didn't realize, how many of you out there, you didn't realize that you stepped on someone's shoes and then you get an email or a call or a message or you offended. I just love to hear these stories and I'd love to, to just talk with you. And so again, my, my inbox is always open. Open, right. So if you want to DM me, if you want to share a story, if this is something that connects with you in any way, I'd love to hear it. And, and I can't recommend again uh, enough to, to check out Big Magic. Uh, and, and so I'm excited to see you guys in the DMs. And if I don't see you there, well, then just maybe you'll tune in on TikTok <laughs> as I'm look. Listen, I'm trying to figure out this platform real quicker. I'm trying to figure out this platform. I'm talking about it as if I know a thing. I don't know a thing. I'm giving TikTok 30 days. I'm going to post every day and see what happens. And so if you want to join me in that experiment, (laughs) you can. Otherwise, you guys, I'll see you on the next episode of the Six Figure Photography Podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye.